0: of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength. Somebody say our strength. strength. Somebody say our redeemer. Redeemer. Somebody say in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. How many of you know that God took everything that his name was in the Old Testament and injected it in the name of Jesus so that you don't have to say Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sikhanu. All you have to say is Jesus now. Because the Bible says he's exalted that name above every name. So that means he's taking the potency of all of those names and putting them in the multivitamin pill of the name Yahshua so that you ain't even got to call the other names. You just say Jesus, and the Holy Spirit said, oh, I know what they mean by that. They mean this, and he'll assign—oh, I wish I had some help right there. He'll assign it to whatever your need is because sometimes he'll talk in groanings and utterings that you can't even utter yourself. And you say, Jesus, and he knows exactly what you mean. You say, ah, he knows exactly what you mean. And so what's beautiful about that name, it is the name that is above every single name. And God has exalted it even above his own name because he knows that if Jesus is exalted, he's automatically exalted. So it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I don't understand that, though. God the Father is preeminent in Trinity, but he exalts Jesus' name as preeminent above his name. But at his name, you get access to God Father's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. It's just, that's why we Christ centered here, man. I'm just telling you. That's why we push the name of Jesus so much. It's not a fad. I heard, a, I heard somebody on Twitter say, you know, a couple of people say that cross centered preaching is, is a fad. And I was, I was pretty saddened by that. That preaching the cross is just something that's a fad. And, you know, we don't have to preach the cross every time we communicate the word of God. If, you, if the cross isn't preached, you don't know how you can apply the application that you're giving in the message. So it, 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 without the cross, our preaching is moralism. Uh, and so I just thought I'd let you know that. Paul says, I gave to you a first importance that Christ came, he died, and he was raised from the grave. I'm not talking about taking it to the cross. I'm talking about centering it on the cross. Anyway, I preach before I preach. Let's stand up. Let's, uh, let's dive into 1st uh, Test 2. <coughs> I'll be out of your way as quickly as I can. I order. <coughs> <laughs> All right. Um, it, when you get there, say amen. amen. If you're beside somebody that doesn't have a Bible, help them to, uh, 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 share with them. Share with them. Don't put them on blast, just share with them. Unless they are mature believer, then you put them on blast real bad. You just blast them, right? In love. <laughs> you don't have to move, Doc. Go ahead and get in get the Bible. I ain't gonna even look at you. You know, I love you to death though. Let's get in the scriptures. Let's get in the scriptures. First test, chapter two, verse 13. Love you guys much, man. Verse 13. Y'all gonna read with me out of ESV version. It says And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God... Keep going. Man, I want to talk about today an authentic love for the church, an authentic love for the church. You may be seated. Uh, as, as I get the the opportunity and, and the grace of doing what I do, you run across all types of different people. And or to me, I, I, one of the things I love the most is I like for people not to know I'm a pastor for a while, you know, just to see how they're going to act, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, when people, some some people don't care, you know, but Um, they don't. And so, which I like that too, especially when they're not in Christ, because you get to see that they're not in Christ. And so, um, but one of the things that you see in people's lives is people, as a pastor, you see people have extremes, you know, they have extreme dislikes, they have extreme likes, um, they, they have deep biases. And, And one of the biases that I, I, I mean, I just am interested to see is always people's bias against the church. Uh, uh, because people don't like, how many of y'all know people don't like the church? I, mean, I just want you to be on. Uh, uh out some things. How many? Uh, give me five people. Tell me why you think somebody doesn't like the church. Anybody? Anybody? Say it again. Hypocrites? Somebody over here? Money? Money. What else? Judgmental? Judgmental. What else? Say it again? Past actions. Past actions? Yes. Anybody? Don't believe in Jesus? All right? All right? Somebody right here says something. Somebody in here? Somebody in here? Do I have another? Yes. I Say it again. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, everybody, people got all kinds of reasons why they don't like the church. And usually, I, I, I'm, I'm really only interested in hearing that from people who don't know Jesus. <clears throat> because people who don't know Jesus, you kind of expect that and that, that type of thing. And we all understand it. But with the challenge that I have is when it's Christians that don't like the church. Um, and when Christians like I hate the church and I ain't got nothing to do with the church and and they begin going on and rattling off why they don't like the church. And I can do my spirituality on my own. I can get in the Bible on my own and all of these different things. And I, we understand all of that. Um, but 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 interestingly enough, it's impossible to say you're a Christian and hate the church because you are the church. <laughs> right. So if you say you hate the church, you actually hate yourself. And, 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 and so as, as, we, as we look into this passage, we're going to see something that I think is a rarity of really, really us coming to terms with is the fact that Paul loved the church. And his love for the church comes from Jesus's love for the church. And when you look at this passage that we're about to go through, there is this seemingly intimate and passionate desire that he has for the Thessalonican church. That, that, that is a big part of his journey. As a matter of fact, <coughs> he says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, something powerful. He, he says the greatest trial that he has is his passion for the churches. In, in other words, his burden for the church and to see Christ formed in it is the greatest burden and passion that he has as an apostle. So as we dive into this passage, we see that as we're going through our authentic Christianity series, <laughs> is that this is a young church, a, a young church, and, and they have experienced persecution very quickly. Um, they became Christians within a three week period. They trusted Christ, and difficulties started happening almost immediately, Paul had to dip. They went down to Berea. People sent a battalion after him to continue to persecute him and to stop him from seeing the gospel preached in the entire state of Macedonia. And so we come here where Paul is worried about the saints. And and, and it's interesting that, that, that he didn't ask a lot of legalistic questions of them. He began talking about his affectionate desire. To see them, which brings me to my first point: If you're going to have an authentic love for the church, you you, you have to love uh, you have to love God's work in people. <laughs> you have to love to see God at work in people. Look look at verse 13. He says, "And we also thank God constantly for this. Listen, that when we receive the when, when um you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you received it not as the word of men, but what it really is, the word of God. Now this is interesting." Paul is excited about God's work in them. Now, now you can imagine Paul being in prayer on his knees. Now, most of us, when we get on our knees and pray, you know what I'm saying, we begin kind of ushering up what we want God to do and kind of what we want him to accomplish in our lives. But Paul, when he talks about constantly mentioning them in his prayers, whenever he got on his knees to pray, his prayer life was bigger than his own life. That, y'all got quiet on that part. And, 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 and because his prayer life is bigger than his life, others' lives come up in his prayer life. Now, as he's on his knees praying, the Thessalonian Christians, because they're young believers, brand spanking new, are, 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 are Similac uh, breeding babies, uh, drinking the milk of the gospel. He's like this. He, he, he's like, you, you constantly come up in our prayer. And what is he thanking them for? He's thanking them. He's thanking God, rather the fact that the gospel is continuing to do work in them. (laughs) In other other words, he's thankful for their spiritual growth. Listen, you know you're a real Christian when you're thankful for somebody's growth. Now, see, I know this is foreign to us, so I know I'm okay with no amens at this one, because, because many of us don't really think through and want people to be different. See, see, uh, you see. To experience, listen. To experience someone being raggedy, trifling idolater, whoremonger, you knowing how raggedy they were. The gospel gets presented to them. They trust Jesus Christ as their savior. Then their life gets turned around, and they're different. And the God they cursed, the God they rejected, is now the God that they love. Now it continues to have work in them. Over time, and they're growing, you're like, I just, I mean, you ever looked at somebody who you knew where they were? And you're like, you're like, like, and you just kind of stand back. You're not asking God for nothing for you. You just begin to worship God because of where you knew that person was. And where they are now. Every now and then, you need to think about somebody's life that's near you, and you need to thank God for not just what they do, but what He's done in them, that they're not the same yesterday as they are today. That's a very, very important thing in your life, that your ability to thank God for what God is doing in somebody else's life is a deep sign of maturity. He says, I'm constantly thanking God in my prayers. He says, why? Because of their reaction to the word? He said, when well, you receive the word of God, he said, you received it with joy. It's, it's, my son got this thing called a ripstick. I, I didn't know what it was. I tried to get on it and it started cracking, so I had to get off of it. You know, it's started going like, you know, a little overweight. But he got on the joint, he just, and it's like, like a skateboard, it's just got two wheels. And when he first got on, it, he was falling, doing a whole bunch of stuff on it. But now he's doing it—he going all around, going around the room, flipping all around. And I'm just, cause I, you know, as a dad, I was a little afraid, you know, because my son is the bit of an acrobat and stuntman. And, and so my, my older son, and so and so because of that, I'm thinking he gonna go down steps and be doing like this. Video me, dad, and put it on YouTube. You know, I thought it was gonna be like that. You know, that's how he is. <laughs> but but he's doing this ripstick and he got it all in control. And it's interesting to see the fact that before he got, I remember he used to be scared of skateboards. You know what I'm saying? Now he got an ulterior skateboard, a ripstick that doesn't have four wheels but two wheels. He gets on the junk, he gets on it. Now he's able to do it real fast. And now he almost has a level of expertise. From seeing where he was a few years ago in his disposition towards it, to see him fearlessly riding and enjoying himself on the ripstick gives me great joy. Listen, you need to look at somebody's life who was joyless, who was faithless, and faithless, and full of fear, and see how God transformed them into actually enjoying the Christian life. But that happens by living life up close to being willing to engage somebody with the gospel. It, it 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 comes from you saying my life is not my own. See, see when you begin saying your life is not your own, then you begin having a dis a different disposition towards God and the church and the people in the church. So Paul had this desire for the people uh, of God. He he even he even goes further in the book and he begins saying in the latter part of verse thirteen he says which you heard from us, <clears throat> you accepted it not as the word of men but as the, what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Now, this is powerful <clears throat> because he's talking about the fact that the gospel is at work in people. Now, 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 that, now that, in other words, the original message of the gospel without the normal fundamental Bible doctrines was enough to sustain them to keep on walking with Jesus Christ. They didn't have a seminary degree. They didn't have Hebrew. They didn't have Greek. They didn't have church history. They didn't study the Aramaic in the latter part of Daniel. Um, they didn't study the Nestle-Aland apparatus. They didn't study biblical Hebraica and understand all of the upper echelons of the tenses from present to eras to the pluperfect. They didn't understand that. They didn't understand um, uh, Baker's, uh, Baker's, uh, Baker's New Testament. They didn't understand Oxford's Bible. They didn't stu- study Zondervitz's illustrated background commentary. They didn't study Keener's background commentary on the New Testament. They did not study the uh, the, the New International Commentary of the Old Testament. They didn't have exegetical commentaries. They didn't have expositional commentaries. They didn't have applicational commentaries. All they had was the gospel. That's all they had. And the gospel was sufficient, and the gospel was enough to sustain them. To, yeah. to, to keep them holding on yeah, yeah, yeah. to God's unchanging hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't they didn't have the Puritan and paperbacks. I wish I had help. Yeah. They 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 didn't have John Calvin and, and Wesleyan's quadrilateral. They didn't have none of that. All they had was the cross and the resurrection. Yeah. And, 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 and they held on to God's unchanging hand. Now, not, I'm not downgrading developing an intellectual, but I'm just letting you know that the gospel was so sufficient for them that Paul was constantly thanking God that their justification was by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, and their sanctification was by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. In other words, he kept them going with all that they had. Why? Because the gospel is sufficient. I'm going to say it again. The gospel is sufficient. I know they're telling us the cross is out of date and we shouldn't preach the cross. But if it had not been for the cross, none of us would be up in here today. I got to keep it moving. Faithful is him who called you. He who began a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. Receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your souls. Oh, my God. (laughs) So this is important for us. To recognize that Paul is thanking them. He said, you had a little bit of information. And you're living better than Christians that got more information than you. <laughs> wow. That's incredible to me. That's incredible. And we're not, we're not downing information. Don't hear me saying that. But he's extolling the, 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 his love for them <coughs> because of the gospel's impact on them. Number two, if you're going to have an authentic love for the church... You have to love to see people survive challenges. You, you, you got you to love to see folks survive some stuff. Uh, 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 look, look, look over here. Now, y'all think I'm just making stuff up. Look in the text, y'all. Look in verse 14. He said, For you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Jesus Christ that are in Judea. Now, now you became imitators of what? Now, what did you imitate? Now, what did you, imitate means to do something like somebody else. What did they imitate? Let's look at the next part of the verse. It says... For you suffered. Wow. Stop right there. Wow. You imitated suffering. My God, my God. So, 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 so in other words, Paul is saying when they trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, their new members class was suffering. I'm blown away, but but listen, they didn't seek our suffering. Like I need something to happen to me and hitting them. Ha ha ha! I'm a masochist, you know. Got their shirt all off, going down the street, reenacting. You know what I'm saying? You know how the cast be doing, right? They they ain't do that. They just became Christians. And, And I don't know if you understand this, but you are still on the enemy's territory. But what happens is, is your jersey changes. Listen, listen, listen. Let me just tell you something. I, I, I remember when I, when I was doing ministry in South Dallas about 17 years ago. And, and I came over there. And, you know, I'm from D.C., so we call everybody cuz. You know what I'm saying? I was like, what's up, cuz? And these dudes, these dudes, the blue on, they have them blue on. You know what I'm saying? And they say, they say, they say N-I-G-G-E-R, who are you talking to? I ain't say it because I ain't want y'all to be, because y'all be telling me I use the N-word, so I ain't doing it today. But they say, but, 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 but they, they say who you think you are? And I was was like, like, what you saying, cuz? They said, cuz, who you claiming? They start going like this. I was like, whoa. (laughs) I was like, what's happening right now? They got teardrops under their eyes. And I'm like, what's happening? You know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, I'm like, what's happening? You know, I'm young in the faith. So I'm like, I'm ready to go at it. So they're like, no. Nah. And then some other dudes came. i like, oh, Lord, help me. And um, they was like, they just like, like, who are you claiming? I'm a crip, crip. And they start going like this. And I was like, man, I'm from D.C. He said, man, you better watch what you're saying around our neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Because we're in a different spot. I said, I'm a minister. Man, we don't care about no minister. We'll bust off on a minister, too. Dog. So I'm sitting around there. In other words, I realize, I realize that I was on somebody else's turf. And because I was on somebody else's turf, they, were, they didn't have the right disposition towards me. Listen, when you become a Christian, a target is put on you. And it says that you begin to suffer like other Christians. Now, this is crazy. He said, under all the churches in Judea, then he said, all of the churches in general. Now, he's not just talking about the church universal. He's talking about these individual local churches in a plural way, meaning that every church that went through Being birthed through trusting Jesus Christ as Savior immediately began going through difficult things. And he says, you became imitators of us not by choice, but just by identity. In other words, the fact that you're in Christ, some hell is going to break loose in your life. Now, y'all think I'll be trying to just preach on this every week, but the text keeps talking about it. So since the text keeps talking about it, I got to keep saying it. So he said, you became imitators of me. In other words, they understood that there was a lifestyle that was going to happen because you became a Christian. Y'all think I'm crazy. I'm going to just put Acts out real quick. In Acts chapter 13... Paul and them going out to Jerusalem, then they went to Antioch, then they went uh, to to, uh, Pisidia, and and they went to Iconium, Lister, and Derby through chapter 14. Everywhere that they went and preached the gospel, hell broke loose. Every single place they went. They went to Jerusalem, went to the Jerusalem council, Paul and Barnabas split, boom, they go up, uh, goes back to Iconium and Lister, they talk to to Timothy, they circumcise Timothy, ouch, he rolled out, right? (laughs) Then, I just had to say ouch, couldn't go past that. So, boom, they go down, then they begin getting persecuted. Then they get to the Philippi. Now they preach the gospel in Philippi. They take their shirts off, they start beating them with rods. Rakhal, Rakhal, now, how are you getting beat with rods? Now, I'm just telling you, if I started getting beat with rods, I'm gonna be asking God some questions about what's happening. <laughs> and like, for me, I mean, beat with rods, I mean, talking about switches. Belts, extension cords—you know—we talk about—we talk about some manly skinage coming off, right? And some so sort cracka, of, and it, it does like a basketball double dribbling on your back, pull skin off. Now they get thrown in jail, and, and then chain them. Up. I'd be like, God, see me. See, why are you in? And I'd been going in on God, right? Me and him would have had an argument, right? I'd be like, God, see I'm all up in this thing, man. And I'm just preaching the gospel. You told me to preach the gospel, and I'm preaching the gospel. Negroes hit me up, pan me up everywhere I go. But but you know what they began doing? That, I mean, I'm just being honest. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know y'all be in the same place. But 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 you know what he, they began to do? They began, they began, they began to say, thank you, Lord. And Silas put up his hand. He said, I'm going to get in there with you, Paul. He said, thank you. But he was on a chain, so he can only raise his hand this much. Lord. Then, Then he put his pinky toe up. He said, thank you, Lord. Both of them together in harmony said, I just want to thank you, Lord. Then God heard him from heaven. God said, you hear that? My boy's worshiping me, and they just got their butts hooked. He said, Holy, God. he said, come here, angels, come here, come here, come here. I got some work for y'all to do. And they hear you said, you hear that in heaven heard it. And he said, go on down and take care of my boys. Then they went down, the whole, the spirit went down, man, and the, the jailers in there standing outside of the jail. And then when he came in, they were, they, were, they were praising and singing praises under God with chains on them and skin off their back. Why? Because, because persecution didn't confuse them, it confirmed their identity. And so they just began singing to the Lord. I know it was the blood. I know, and they just singing all of these hymns. I know they ain't sing those, those hours, but I'm just helping you. Right? They sang these songs and they got their bands loose. But what's interesting is they didn't do it to get out of the trial. Ah. They praised them just because. They, listen, oh, I wish I hell. See, they weren't praising him because they were like, God, get us out. The Bible just says they began just blessing his name. And God decided that the way he wanted to glorify himself at that time was to let them loose. See, sometimes when you praise him, he'll let you loose. But sometimes when you praise him, he'll leave you in there. Oh. I don't want to start, I don't want to start nothing. But, but, but Paul is talking to the Corinthians about what he experienced for himself. He's not talking on some esoteric stuff he read in a book somewhere about the sufferings and the martyrs. You know, some of us on some martyr Christianity, all the martyrs are going through some stuff. What you going through, dog? All right? So what's beautiful about this is that Paul is talking out of an experience of brokenness and pain. Blah, because he survived suffering. Now he's encouraging the other believers. He says, I'm blessing God because you're surviving difficulty. Now what's interesting in First Thessalonians chapter 2, he doesn't pray for them to get out the trial. It's nowhere. Look, hold on. Let's look at it. Where in the trial. He said, God, get him out. He didn't say that. This, this is a bit of a struggle. Look 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 right here. He, he says he says you became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus, are oh, in Judea for you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets. Now if you think this is abnormal, turn over to First Second Thessalonians chapter one verse eleven. Y'all still trekking with me. Now, they're going through hellacious trials by the second letter. It says, to this end, we always pray for you that our God may count you worthy of your calling and may fulfill his resolve for, every good, for good and every work of faith by power. In other words, he didn't pray for them to get out of the trial. He prayed that God would be glorified in them through the trial. Powerful. And what's powerful about this is that, is that he, it's good to see somebody go through something and survive. And, and to know that the survival was based on their faith and trust in God. See, when you see somebody go through something difficult like that and you see them survive, you need to be blessing God on their behalf. Yeah. Hey, listen, listen, there's people in here that have been through heart surgery, cancer, miscarriages, a, 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 a broken relationships, all types of things. You need to be thanking God. And some of them still walking with Jesus. Some of them even walking harder with him. See, when somebody survives something, you need to go up to him and say, I just want to encourage you right now in Jesus' mighty name. I thank God that you kept going through and you didn't doubt God, you didn't hate God, but you kept on walking with him, you kept on loving him, uh, you, you, you limped in here, but you lifted your hands. Uh, uh, you, 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 you were hurt, but you kept on going. And I just want to encourage you in the Lord. That's what it looks like to love the church, is you need to start pointing out. It was some of y'all had convictions. I know a guy that turned himself in, he could have kept on the run, turned himself in several of y'all. God worked it out. We need to be encouraging those brothers. That you turn yourself in and God worked it out and you survived something difficult. And you got to be able to thank God for what God does in God's people, not just what he does in your life. I got to keep moving. I got to keep moving. I got 17 minutes. Got to use it all. Love. Next one. Love being in community with the church. You got to love. If you're going to have an authentic love for the church, you got to love being in relationship or community with the church. He says... He says, verse uh, 16, He says, about hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved so always to fill up the measure of their sins. But God's wrath has come upon them at last. Just talking about the wrath of God is going to be revealed against those who reject the Lord and persecute the church. Verse 17, it says, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, We endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. This is a desire that he actually had when he was actually, that he actually wanted to actually be around the church. I like that. He wanted to be around Christians. You you need to have a desire. If, If you love the church, you got a desire to be around the people of God. That's just a, just a real, real simple thing. There are times in your life, not just sometimes when it's difficult, because some of y'all only want to be around people when you got a difficult time and you need something. Yeah. Um, it's got real quiet right there. But every now and then you need to be around just because. We need some just because believers. Yeah. Not it happened to me all the time, believers. See, don't just be in the fellowship with the Christians when hell breaks loose because that makes God and his people into cosmic genies. But when you actually want to be around the people of God, it is a natural disposition of God putting you around the people of God because of your love for you. And that's what Paul wanted. Paul said, I eagerly want to be around you. He said, I'm not just trying to teach you. I want to actually have fellowship with you. Now, now, now I, remember, I, remember, I can remember times in my life, well, I didn't feel like being around the people of God. I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I did not feel. i, I was out at First Baptist Church of Highland Park in Landover, Maryland. I'll never forget it. I'm in the young. I'm in the new education building. I did not feel like going to church because of how I wilded out the day before, so I didn't want to be there. <laughs> I'm just being real. And so what happened was, is as I got in there, I got in there, and and, and 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 I got into the young adult class, and one of the deacons was teaching the class, and he, you know he did all right, you know. But, but that joker circled us up for prayer. Before we said the prayer, may the Lord watch between you and me. I, y'all know nothing about that. Anyway, um, we, we grabbed hands. And, 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 and why did we do that? And, and that gray-haired dude, he's 6'2", bucko five, with a double-breasted suit from 1957 on. And it still fit him, but it smelled like mothballs. And the head of the deacon boy, he stomped his foot one time and went to heaven's If it was as if he was superman he grabbed all of our hands and took us into the presence of God and the first thing he said out of his mind, he said oh father when he said oh father the holy ghost hit the room <laughs> I, I don't know what happened I'm just, and I'm holding his hand and he said, he said I just want to pray for these young people he started going in and I don't know what happened to me when he started praying but the Lord started dealing with me and, and, my, and I, just, I just got all you know I was trying not to get broke up you know what I'm saying And I I just got broke up before the Lord, and God did something. And then I began realizing that something happens when God's people get together. Listen, you got to love being around the church, even when you don't feel like being around the church. And, 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 and because you need people in your life that can go before the throne when you can't on your own I wish I had some help you need some people to grab you and some brothers to put their hands on your neck and put their head to yours and put their hand up and go before God on your behalf why because the church should love being around the church you should have some people that you're sitting around that you're having godly conversations about that are pushing you God's direction that are pushing pushing you towards God's goals, that are pushing you towards God's passions, that are pushing you towards a love for God. Why? Because we should love being around the people of God. You should love that. Joshua Harris um, laid out some stuff for some things you shouldn't want merely from the church alone and things you should want and why you should love the church. He says, don't love the church because of what it does for you. He says, because sooner or later, what they do for you won't be enough. <laughs> I could have just preached that today. Yeah, you, you, know, you know, because listen, the church, listen, listen, the church is not omnipotent. So if you want the church to be everything to you, you just made the church an idol. <laughs> the church can only be what God anointed it to be. Next he says, he said, don't have the church, he said, don't love the church because of a leader, because human leaders are fallible and will let you down. Yeah. Amen, somebody. Yeah. Amen, somebody. Yeah. Then he goes to, and he said, don't love the church because of a program or a building or activities because all of those things get old. Yeah. True. He said, don't love the church because of a certain group of friends because friends change and people move. Preach. <laughs> let me just tell you something. Listen, listen, listen. We don't... When, when I talk about love for the church, I'm not talking about exalting a pastor. Yeah. I'm not talking about... exalt. Because let me tell you something. The church is not a program. It's not the building. It's not your favorite message. It's not the IT media stuff up. It's not the state. It's the people here. Yeah. So, therefore, love the church because of who shed his blood to obtain the church. Amen. Love the church because of who the church belongs to love the church because of who the church worships love the church because you love jesus and his glory love the church because jesus is worthy and faithful and true love the church because jesus loves the church let me just tell you something you 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 must love the church for the right reasons and you must love the church for only what God wants you to love the church for. But then Paul goes on. He does something powerful. He begins to say, an authentic love for the church turns into something else. Authentic love for the church is obstructed by satanic attack. It, it, look, 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 look in verse 18. He says, because we want to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered me. In other words, Paul wanted to come to the church, but Satan hindered him. There were obstructions that got in the way of that. Now, Satan was getting in the way of that because he wanted the believers to remain spiritually in a particular place and didn't want them to grow to where they they were supposed to go to. And so he wanted to stop Paul from coming so that he can do things in their life. One of the things the enemy likes to do is he likes to isolate Uh, 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 young believers from spiritual authority so that he can do what he wants to do in their life to destroy them and mar them. And so what he began to do is Satan wanted to divide them from what could help them to grow. As sufficient as the gospel was, God still wanted leadership to lead them, pour into them, and teach them. And so you got to recognize who Satan is. Satan is the adversary. He's the accuser of the brethren. His name also means slanderer. That means he'll create information about the people of God to split the people of God up because he likes to create untrue information to make you feel untruthfully towards someone about something they didn't do. Why? That satanic attack. Let me tell you something. Don't forget about the devil. We don't exalt the devil, but don't forget that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, I'm not one of them to say, well, if the sound system stopped working, that's the devil. Um, when the, di- when the when, when, when earthquake happened, ain't hey, that ain't nothing but the devil. When you sneeze, I rebuke the devil. In the that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about. But there is a sense in which the devil is intimately active in what God wants to do in the life of the church. And you've got to recognize he does it from without and he does it from within. I'm going to say that two more times. He does it from without and he does it from within. He loves to do it in a way where he, he puts fire on the church, and he likes to set fires in the church. And so what does hinder mean? It's a military term, was the practice of people who were enemies to basically, uh, when they knew that their enemies were coming towards them, what they would do is they would make obstructions in the journey of their road so that when they came, they would be blocked and they would get hurt by the traps that were set for them. In other words, Paul is saying that's the way the enemy likes to hinder. He likes to hurt and he likes to halt the people of God. And what does he like to hinder? Four things. He likes to hinder Christian fellowship. He likes to hinder Christians getting together. See, those of you who have a hard time getting with the people of God, that's the devil. That's what the Bible says. That's what Paul says. I wanted to come to you to do what? Fellowship. But I couldn't because I was hindered. Many of you get hindered. I'm tired. I don't feel like it. I can't. That's the devil. Amen. (laughs) Number two, Christian discipleship. He loves to make sure that you don't get Christ formed in you. Discipleship. So anytime there's time for somebody to pour into you, you avoid getting discipled because you don't want your mess to come up. That's the devil. See, some of y'all avoid, y'all, y'all, y'all avoid God pouring into you because you don't, you don't want the truth of the Scriptures. Because, you, because some of us actually want to worship but remain the same. Somebody, let me, let me cry and worship. Let me hear a word. That was a word for me in season, Pastor. That was for me this morning. I don't know if anybody else did. That was for me. Then you walk away and nobody see you again except for when you need a word in season, when you need a worship. But the Bible talks about the enemy wants to hinder you. Let me tell you something. The devil is after you. He don't want you to look like Jesus. He wants you to look like him. And so those of you who avoid porridge, that means people pouring into your life. It's the devil. It's the devil. And and, and you got to admit, God, it's the devil, and I rebuke you. That's when it's right to rebuke the devil because he wants you not to grow. Number three, I got to keep moving. The devil likes to hinder spiritual growth. Same thing. Just a different way of saying it. Number four, the promotion of the gospel. He loves to get in the way of the gospel being preached. And he wants you to shut your mouth about the gospel. But then finally, if you're going to have authentic love for the church, you got to love the reward that comes with it. This is, this is some intimate stuff Paul dives into. I'm over after this, right? Paul says something so intimate here that, that, that it almost has to drum up, if you will, an eschatological hope, meaning futuristic Sci-fi, Kingdom Coming type stuff. You know what I'm saying? This is this is this is like Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek type. You know, Star Wars Episode Three type stuff, right? You know, it's, this is the epic battle up. I mean, it, but but this is when everything come to fruition, and this is what he says. And he starts talking some old Fly Kingdom talk. Look at verse 19. He says, "For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of boasting?" Before the Lord, before our Lord Jesus at his coming. Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Paul says, let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ comes, this is what, this is what I'm looking forward to seeing. I'm looking forward to not having a crown on my head. I'm looking forward to seeing a crown walking around. Y'all going to get that in a second. See, see he, he, he's saying, my crown... Is to see the fact that I preached the gospel to you. You trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. I get in eternity with you before Jesus Christ. I look over and see you standing there. And I remember what you were like before I shared the gospel with you. But now you're a believer standing before the eternal God along with me lifting your hands up and worshiping you, he says, you are our joy and crown. In other words, I don't need, See, he said, he said listen, I don't have to take off a crown off my head and throw at Jesus' feet. Because you're my crown, you're going to throw yourself at Jesus' feet. He says, what is our boasting? Now, God only gives you the ability to boast in one thing, the Bible frees you up in Ezekiel and in 1 Corinthians. And he says, and you can only boast that you know the Lord. Guess what he's boasting about? That they know the Lord. I told you the sermon was going to be simple. Listen, knowing the Lord is the most important thing. And when people know the Lord, it is the most beautiful. Th- when it's real, I ain't talking about no altar-call confession. God I ain't gonna do it no more. I know the preacher preached the sermon, God, and I- you you got you got a snot-nosed confession with no transformation. He's talking about actual Gospel yeah. rooted in your soul, and he calls you to persevere and spend eternity with him. I can't wait to see some of y'all. Yeah. My, my, my. I can't wait to see some of y'all in eternity worshiping beside. I ain't gonna be pastor E no more. You ain't gonna have to worry about me pastoring you ever again because we'll be because you'll be pastored by the chief shepherd forever. Yeah. And we'll be in his presence with new bodies, yeah. fully sanctified souls. No more suffering. No more need for growth. No more devil. As a matter of fact, is God is going to put on display his punishment because we're going to watch in high eternal definition him get thrown into the lake of fire forever. And guess what? Shouting won't be strange then. Praise won't be strange then. Prostrating won't be strange then. And guess what? Looking like Jesus will be the norm. So that's 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 the type of church that we that, that 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 that's an authentic church that 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 longs to see people look like Jesus. If you're bitter or unforgiving towards anybody in your life right now, that's a Christian. I pr- I want you to pray today. God help them to look like Jesus. Dream of what you're mad at them about. Being transformed and them looking like Jesus Christ instead of being pissed and angry and frustrated, it's your application for this week, dream of their change and pray for their change because they're his. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your mercy. Lord God of an authentic church with authentic love, with authentic people, with authentic transformation. Lord, I just just love seeing you um, devise uh, things to help us to know you better and to love you better, to commit our lives to you more effectively. And so, God, I pray that you would develop in us not an idolatrous love for the church, but a beautiful love for your people, not just Epiphany Fellowship, but other Christians all over the place. We need it, God. And, God, I pray that, that whoever, whoever in our life that's a believer that's a frustration to us. Just as Paul longed for these Christians to look like Jesus. Help our prayers to change for them. Help our love for them to be your love, because you, were bought, you bought them by your blood. and they're just as much as yours as we are. Lord, help us as we take communion as our men come, to take communion and to celebrate your death. And as we sing about the life that died for us, stricken, smitten, and afflicted, we want to celebrate our Lord who made it possible for us to be lovable. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.